take your balloons to the next level as we delve deeper into what truly makes a professional balloon artist with your host, Zivi Kivi. Now, welcome to the Balloon Artist Podcast. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is chapter 11 of season one of the Balloon Artist Podcast. Let me remind you that this season is all about how to make money with balloons. That's the theme of the first season. And we're really close to the end of the season. It's a 12 chapter season and we are now in chapter 11. And I know you've been waiting for this interview quite a lot. I am so excited about today's interview. I'm interviewing not one balloon artist, but two balloon artists, and not to just two, but two heroes of mine. I had the opportunity of interviewing both of them together, and they are such an awesome couple. They are so helpful to one another, but also they are so generous with the community and are helping a lot of balloon artists to grow with providing good advices, providing good content, and just being an inspiration to all of us. Today on the Balloon Artist Podcast, you will hear Annie Banani and Buster Balloon together. So without further ado, let's hear Buster Balloon and Annie Banani together here now on the Balloon Artist Podcast. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. Uh, this is Zivi Kivi here, and today we have not one, but two very special guests. It's a very exciting place to be here now in sunny Israel and to interview over Skype, not other than Annie Banani and Buster Balloon together here in the Balloon Artist Podcast. Annie and Buster, hello. 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 Gosh, uh, like, uh, I feel like it will be useless to introduce you to the community, but I will just say that, Buster, you are the best balloon artist that I've ever seen, and any Banani, I never seen someone so smart in terms of marketing and business development, and gosh, you guys are awesome. So here is me being uh, a little whiny girl, uh, <laughs> looking at her uh, idols, but... Uh, Sorry for that. So, yeah. <clears throat> sorry. So the dress is adorable, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Adorable. And the hair bow just makes the whole thing. It's the glitter. Yeah. I like the sequins and the glitter. So, but seriously, this is a very serious um, podcast. So, we have uh, oh, a few things. People for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, we will need to see. <laughs> so, uh, the topic of uh, the first season is about how to make money with balloons and how to improve your business. And what we will talk about today is basically ideas about brainstorming and about how you as a power couple in the balloon industry are able to achieve more by helping each other. And the fact that you are married is a plus, it's a benefit, but there's a lot of uh, opportunities to, for balloon artists to cooperate and to have huge friendships that are helpful for the business. So uh, with that said, we'll start with uh, brainstorming. So uh, can you share with us, Annie, how do you brainstorm ideas for your shows and services? Usually one of us interrupts the other while we're doing paperwork and says, oh, honey, I got a great idea for blah, blah, blah. And um, or we do it a lot when we drive too, like when we go to an event and uh, I do it on the way to Disneyland and at Disneyland. 
So anywhere where we can get kind of in a creative headspace. But since we, we see each other a lot, we tend to just, sometimes it's that serendipitous meeting with each other. So I just wanted to use that word. It's a fancy word. But it's instead of having a meeting like once a week or something with a creative partner, it's just when you get that idea, you can just bring it up in the middle of a conversation about laundry. Yeah. Like that. You? So Buster, do you have uh, uh, like things in your show that you can say, oh, yeah, I remember that was an idea that uh, we brainstormed about and so on? Yes. <laughs> I think Buster tends to come up with a, an entire idea. And then when he talks to anybody else about it, he's just working on the, the he's polishing it. I tend to say, you know, I kind of have a, this idea. Let's talk it over. And so I tend to be more creative in a team. And he tends to be like more of a solitary idea. creator. Yeah. He drives around town and figures stuff out. In my I see. Head. Yeah. So what about you, Annie? Can you like pinpoint to a specific routine or a bit in your show that you say, oh, this is so much better now that I listened to my hobby's tip? Um, yeah. He's got a lot more um, stage experience as far as solo uh, performing. I come from a theater background, so it was hard for me at first without a director. And to have to write shows, that was really tough. But um, so he's probably more involved in my shows than I am in his. But that's, again, the way we work, like individually. If I wasn't collaborating with Buster, I'd be collaborating with somebody else. I remember yeah. a conversation I had with a friend of mine. We were working on her show and we workshopped it out just on the phone. She was here and I was in Colorado. And then when we got done, she said, gee, I wish I was more creative. I'm like, um, did you just notice we just wrote your show? <laughs> <laughs> I think she didn't, you know, there's not just one way to be creative. So you figure out, the, the more you do it, that you figure out what your best creative base is. And, you know, put your, set yourself in that situation, either with another person or like Buster driving it around town or some people go for a walk or, you know, you just find out what works for you and just keep doing it. Got it. So uh, do you go and see each other's uh, perform often? All the time. When was the last time you saw Buster's show? I don't know. When was it? Christmas show. Did I see your Christmas show? Yeah. I try cool. to see, like, we each try to see if there's anything majorly different. Like, if we have, um, you know, we both got Christmas and Halloween shows, and um, we both got our regular shows and then our summer shows. And anytime we have a significantly different show, we'll go and see the other person's show and then give feedback. But we also ask our friends to come, and we come to our friends' shows. So you've got to surround yourself with people who are going to tell you the truth. And you don't want just somebody to say, you know, like your mother, oh, honey, that was awesome. And my mom does that. And uh, getting to realize that she can tell me something that could be criticism that's not going to hurt my feelings. I may not agree with her. And the same with your friends. You know, I want to know from their perspective what's working. Yeah. And they can yeah. often notice something that you don't. Yeah, I have the same problem with my mother that uh, everything I do seems like uh, pure gold and beautiful for her and it makes her opinion uh, less relevant. Uh, so I have to ask, is it hard for you, Buster, to get critiqued by uh, your wife? No, I actually like getting critiqued. Not just my wife, but anybody. Anybody who, you know, friends who I respect who come see the show or audience members, like I always love getting feedback and You know, it, it's nice to get the accolades, but that doesn't necessarily help me make a better show. You know, that, that's nice when things are working, but if something doesn't work, I really need someone to point out that 
it's not working and maybe give me some ideas of why it's not working so I can fix it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this makes sense. If you are not used to the critique, especially if you've never worked with a director or anything like that, it can really be tough to hear something. Maybe it's your favorite bit and your favorite bit just isn't working. Um, I fixed one show where a friend of mine, and she was trying to be nice, but she said, what makes you think this is funny? And those are the exact words. And it was so hilarious because she said, oh, no, I didn't mean, wait, that sounded very sarcastic. But it was true. The story just wasn't working at all. And she wanted to see what I saw in it. And turned out it, what I was seeing was mostly in my head and it wasn't translating to the performance. And I, I wanted to hear that. Yeah, we need to hear that. Uh, I had uh, Andrea Noel see my show and she, she, and she can't speak Hebrew. It was in a Hebrew show. And she was able to pinpoint like about three things that didn't work and say, you see here was too long and here you put the briefcase in the wrong location and people can't see you and so on. So it was really useful to get the critique. Well, I've never had a critique from someone who didn't know the language of my show. That's really cool. Yeah, it was a, it was a funny thing because she, she knows physical comedy, so it was still useful. Right. Oh, very. Yeah, she's brilliant. So can I ask, do you also jam with balloons, uh, like just in your home, on your free time, sometimes? Sometimes. Yeah. I, or solo jamming, since, since I'm the one who does the tutorials and creates a lot of stuff. So there's a lot of times where I'll just like lock myself in the office for a couple of days and work on things and just pop out every once in a while to get an opinion from Annie on a new creation or something. What about uh, jamming uh, like uh, with other balloon artists? How often do you do that? About once a month or so. I mean, like actual live in-person jamming. There's also a lot of virtual jamming where we'll exchange photos back and forth. You know, I'll create something and send a photo of it to David Brennan or another friend who's a balloon twister, and then they'll play with it. They'll send me a photo back of what they've come up with, and we'll sort of virtually jam. Cool. Do you go to conventions, uh, Buster? As many as I can. What's your next balloon convention? What is my next balloon convention? Well, we have been not going to as many balloon conventions, but we've been going to performing conventions. Right. So, so I know, let's see, I've got Tricks on the Sticks is coming up in May, which is a children's entertainers convention in the UK. And then in August, we're going to Cadabra, which is mind-blowingly amazing for if you're a children's or family entertainer I, I cannot stress enough how amazing that event is and how much we learn every time we go yeah and I think if you like getting together with a community in any in, in any profession is great what we tend to do is whatever our focus is that's who we tend to get together with or the people who are focusing on the same thing so we're not going to well I'm not I'm not going to local balloon jam so much anymore because I'm focusing on uh, stage performance and I'm getting together with other authors to figure out how to promote my book and how to, you know, other school performers to figure out how to promote author visits and stuff. So I think you just get into, like, it's so good to learn from other people and to give back as well. And again, with that synergy when you've got more than one person working on something. Yeah. I believe going to the jam room uh, on convention specifically is really one of the main uh, fun points or fun 
factors of the convention for me, but definitely jamming without a, conven- a convention, like just in your home or over the internet or even uh, in person, it's just a smart thing to do to improve your skills and to actually to push the art as a whole. Absolutely. I can't imagine only jamming at a convention. So if you go to one or two conventions per year, are you only jamming once or twice a year? You won't know how. You know, it's something that you got to sort of practice. Yeah. You know, it's just like if a kid only played with his friends once a month. That's, that's insane. Yeah, and, and, and there's just a limit on how much you can jam while you twist for a paying customer. Right. Like, uh, that, that's when you do your marketing for real. That's when your content should be top-notch and impressive and creates memories. And that's not where the right time to pull out a few heart-shaped balloons and try to connect them one to another or whatever. Unless your performing style is, let me see if I can try to make that. And, you know, yeah. that's, that's, that's one way to entertain. Um, and every once in a while, if I have time, I'll do that. But it takes three times as long. So it's, you don't always have that luxury. Yeah. Like I would love to get challenges from the crowd. And like I use uh, Patrick's system of playing a guessing game. So there's no line really. Uh, they just me making the best of the best that I can. But from time to time, I will take a challenge so that it will uh, look uh, like that it will be more interesting for me as well. And someone will pull out his cell phone, his smartphone, and look for a Pikachu or whatever and show me the picture. But yeah, it's, it's not like meeting with your friends uh, for three or four hours with a good wine or some beer and just jamming with your balloons. Well, and, and as much conventions are amazing because you meet new people and there's so many new ideas, but there's also a lot to be said for jamming with people who you know really well. Yeah. You know, we both have... You know, we have so many friends in the balloon industry and in the entertainment and family entertainers circles. But, you know, there's that circle of like core friends you go to for feedback. You know, the people who there are plenty of people who will tell you you're the best in the world. And then there are plenty of people who want to give you nothing but criticism. And you need that small core circle of people who you really rely on and who you really trust to praise you when you actually do something right and to give you good constructive criticism so you can fix things that aren't. It's really hard to find those people that you know and trust. So, yeah, the, the jam room is great, but you, you've got to find that inner circle that you really go to for the deeper insights on your work, whether it's balloon sculpting or stage or marketing. Right. So, so here's an action tip uh, for you guys listening. Think about it with yourself. Who is your inner circle? And if your inner circle uh, is not uh, very cooperative or very useful for you, then maybe it's time to put some new people in your inner circle or tighten those relationships. Yeah. Okay. You guys work together as a power couple. So what's what's the most uh, efficient thing that you do together that you feel gives you an edge over your market because you have each other to work together with? Well, I think the best thing is always having, always knowing who the first referral is going to be when you're not available. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that helps. Keep that in the family like that. And you don't pay commission for that referral. Correct. 
Well, she takes a small cut, but it's reasonable, so I don't mind. I, I think also um, the creating marketing things together, just just like jamming in um, with balloons, we also jam with marketing stuff, and we'll go back and forth. And the latest marketing thing that we did, it started out as an idea nine o'clock at night, eight o'clock at night, and it was really different by the time we got home at ten. And it was still really different when we implemented it the next morning. But it was nice that we didn't have to, like, call each other on the phone or because we just ended up going to the store together for something completely different. And just because we end up doing things together that way, it, it just, it's nice to be creative when somebody just is there. Do you operate from the same uh, roof, like the same business roof? You mean? Um, the same company, basically. Same, yeah, we do. But we market separately. I see. Do you occasionally do some of the marketing and then say, okay, this fits both businesses, both the Buster Balloon brand and the Annie Banani brand. So do you sometimes uh, save time or money by uh, making the same marketing efforts and doing it uh, at one time? So like, for example, if you're printing more bookmarks, will that help you or is it totally separate marketing efforts? It's still totally separate because we, we have our own brands, our own identities. So, you know, everything I have is branded Buster Balloon. Everything she has is branded Annie Banani. So we, we don't get to share the costs on those things a lot. I think for like, you know, we're talking about the jamming and, and cooperating together. You know, we, we have very different styles with our balloon twisting for the most part. We have completely opposite styles on stage. Like we're totally different on stage. I think the one place where we really do jam and, and share ideas a lot is the marketing stuff. And that if one of us has a really good marketing idea, you know, we obviously we, we have our own branding on it. But when we have the idea to use bookmarkers for our library shows, we, we both start using bookmarkers. And then whenever one of us has a really good idea for a new promotional item or something, we each have our own separate one, but we get to share those ideas a lot on how we're going to promote the business and what items we're going to use to get our clients excited and things like that. Yeah. And, and those are things like uh, even on the service itself or on the marketing specifically? Both. Both. Yeah. Can you share uh, uh, an example of uh, something that uh, uh, really improved by talking about it between you? Balloon cups. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to talk about the other thing, but we didn't want to share that out, so she's too good. <laughs> um, but no, the, yeah, the balloon cups. We can talk about that. Um, yeah, the balloon candy cups. We, we decided we wanted to start playing with balloon candy cups, and so we sort of brainstormed how we're going to promote them and how we're going to use them, and we both came up with some really good strategies that fit both of us. So, yeah, we actually saved money on that one, candy cups. We buy a bunch of those. Yeah. Yeah. So you have lots of candies on your home. Too much candy. Yeah, we, we, we have a lot of cups, not so much candy. The candy seems, <laughs> candy seems to go way faster than cups do. I'm not sure how that happens. <laughs> uh, busters off this because I don't want that in mine. I also do candy cups as an upsell. Uh, for yeah. birthday shows, so yeah, I, I love, I love my my kids love to help me create them. It's so funny. Um, there's an interesting um, issue that we have as performers. I don't know um, if I talked with you about it. Is that a lot of times you'll have one spouse being the performer and the other spouse being the backup. Say, does all the admin or does the mailings or the bookkeeping or whatever. And um, we're both performers. And so that's always a challenge. It's like as much fun as we have working together, we each still have the admin part that we have to do. And that's one disadvantage of being married to another performer because you can't rope the other one into doing your bookkeeping. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wish my wife would do some bookkeeping for me. Oh, she just, uh, she just listened, so I... Oh. <laughs> okay, so, you know, everyone grows in the industry and remember their heroes in the niche of balloon art. And as much as I love your DVDs and your balloon art, Buster, I'm sure that you also grew on the shoulders of giants. So can you share with us, Buster, not just on the magic world where we know Jeff McBride helped you a lot and uh, I, I'm really jealous of you of that, but who are your heroes in the balloon art world? So for balloon art, two guys who really got me started were Marvin Hardy and Ralph Dewey. Their books were, well, their books were the only thing that there was back then, but Ralph's stuff especially was really creative and different. And, you know, th there was a huge revolution in the balloon industry that, that just everything changed rapidly. But in the earlier days, you know, before video, Marvin and Ralph, their books were it. Like, if you want to learn balloons, that's where you went. And then the next wave of really creative people, I think uh, Captain Visual was the first guy who really took things up a notch and got people excited about some bigger creations. And then from there it was um, Larry Moss, Royal Sorrell, Ken Stillman, uh, John the Balloon Man Holmes. Those guys started really, really taking it to the next level. And now there's another wave that's creating even more amazing stuff. And it just keeps growing. You know, I, I'm constantly amazed at the talent in this industry. And just when you think that everything we could possibly do with balloons has been done, someone comes along and changes everything. I remember the first balloon convention here in the U.S. where um, Rei Hosakai from Japan showed up. She came to Twist and Shout, and no one had ever heard of her. No one had ever seen the stuffing and distortion techniques she was doing. And even like balloon dresses, she helped popularize that. Now we're, I don't know, like 10 years later, and distortion techniques and weaving and balloon dresses are the norm in the industry. So the, yeah. Yeah, there's so many heroes. Guido Verhoff in the Netherlands who does these. Yeah. He, he does beautiful small work, but then he also does these insane, huge installations. And he and Micah DeHaan do these incredible, like, they do balloons for raves and concerts with these beautiful, abstract, glowing pieces. And Adi Somek, who, you know, started with the Balloon Half Project going around the world, and now he's doing larger installation things as well. And these beautiful art pieces and being displayed in art galleries. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, I love people who really push the boundaries of what people think can be done with any any entertainment, but especially with balloons because, you know, we're pretty new. We're, we're very, very much a new industry. Yes. I, I also love the people who, they're often the unsung heroes, but the people who make getting together happen. So Larry Moss with Balloon HQ that now has become sort of a history thing. But back when I started, it was the only way I could meet other artists. And, you know, we're sitting there trying to describe a sculpture in text because we didn't have a way to share pictures like that yet. And then, you know, T. Myers and uh, Patty Sorrell and just these people who have um, specifically for Twisters, too, because there's always been get-togethers for decorators, but Twisters has been kind of the ignored you know, forgotten relative yeah. for a long time. And now, since there's so many people that worked so hard and often at a financial loss to get people together to do things, 
I love these guys. Cool. Royal and Patty with Twist and Shout. Yeah. And um, Lee Over with Millennium Jam. Well, yeah, I forgot those, about Millennium Jam. Those yeah. events are really, th- those became the breeding grounds. I mean, that's where balloon twisters really found each other. Yeah. Uh, at least in Wonderland in Israel. That's an amazing event that draws both twisters and decorators together to help you guys just see what's out there and keep up with the newest things in the industry. And now Qualitex has World Balloon Convention, which is, you know, the mother of all balloon conventions, both twisters and decorators. Yeah, like as a young twister, I thought it's not interesting for me to listen in, in a convention to the decor uh, lectures. But uh, in Israel, like it was uh, mandatory to have both at the same convention because mm-hmm. we are a small country, like uh, we can't afford arranging two conventions. But the more I mature, the more I see, like, we are all one big family of balloon artists. And the, the sculptures with the rounds are sometimes prettier if you insist on being a purist and using only 260. You know, traveling is such a great thing. Mm-hmm. And just experiencing other cultures is one of the greatest things you can do with your life. But from a balloon perspective, it was amazing and wonderful when I first went to Japan and saw that they had such a different approach than we do here in the U.S., really any of the Western countries when it comes to balloon twisting, that we all had these like hardline rules of these are twister balloons, these are decorator balloons, these are twister techniques, these are decorator techniques. And when I went to Japan, there, there was no distinction between what was a twister balloon or a twister technique or vice versa. It was all in how you presented the balloon. Yeah. If, if, if you entertained with the balloon, if you made something in front of people, you were a twister. If you made it ahead of time and made like a big display, you were a decorator. But every decorator I met knew how to twist and not just the basics. Like they were all really good twisters and all the twisters could do arches and columns and bouquets. They knew how to work with helium. Like everyone knew everything. It's just how they chose to implement them. And then same thing, Hong Kong, Korea, like that whole chunk of the world. It was so cool to see that different mentality about balloons. It was really exciting. Yeah. It's starting to catch on here a little bit. Yeah, starting. I think uh, it does because of WBC. It, it's really a huge event and uh, it encourages uh, both deco and both uh, twisting. Uh, personally, I look at it also from the business perspective of being able to offer decor work just makes so much sense because I am an entertainer and a balloon artist and the event needs the decor. So I help my customer. I serve my customers better by being able to, to do those, you know, decor work. Right. So, Annie, what about you? Who are uh, your heroes in the balloon industry? Buster's <laughs> pointing to himself. He's very much a mentor to me. I went, he was the first one that um, that helped me do my own show, which I'm used to doing theater, so I'm, I didn't know what to do when I didn't have somebody to write it or direct it or anything like that. But I think, as I said before, it's really the people who have made it possible for all of us to get together. A lot of twisters can be kind of sort of right-brained and kind of like, hey, we got all these cool ideas, Uh oh, okay, and then nothing gets done. And so you have to have those few people who are really good at organizing to get these people together in large groups. And I remember the stories about the first tea jam was like 11 people around the pool in at a hotel somewhere in Texas, I think in Austin. And, you know, people were meeting each other for the first time because they'd only, you know, exchanged the texts on 
building HQ. So just, I think it's really wonderful that there are people who will do that because let me tell you, I won't. I mean, just to organize, I used to organize the jams, the balloon jams here, and that was such a huge pain in the neck. And some people love that sort of thing. And I could pretty much do without any of it, you know, the organization part. So I, I bow at their feet, but then all the other balloon people he talked about. So he got to go first. It was tougher. Can you tell us a little bit about inspiration? Like, Buster, I think this one is for you. Uh, again, I have to take my hat off. The designs that you release in balloonanimals.com, all those digital downloads, they are just the bomb, one after the other. So where do you get your inspiration from? Mostly cartoons. Oh, and Annie with Annie, who's now pointing at herself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really am just a big kid. Like, I, I love Disneyland. I love cartoons. I, I, I don't buy toys anymore because I, I just don't have the space for all that stuff anymore. But I, I love to just go to a toy store and wander around and look at all the new toys. And I, I think that that's where my inspiration comes from. Since rather than buy all the toys, I just make them. And I look at how action figures are assembled. And, you know, I get excited about, you know, a dinosaur toy that has 18 points of articulation where it's jointed and moves and then I go home and create a balloon based on that. Do you create a design and then say, okay, it's not good enough and destroy it and start again? Actually, more often than not, I start with one design and it turns into something completely different. Yeah. So I'll start with an idea and it, it, I won't like it and it's, it's rubbish and then I'll turn it upside down or, or look at it sideways and see something completely different in it and start creating something all new. The most infamous one years ago, I created, I was actually working on making cleavage for a female character. So I, I had an idea for, for the breasts uh, on a female figure and that ended up turning into a squirrel. <laughs> so both of you, Annie and, and you, Buster, you have a following. Uh, people uh, like to see you on Facebook and to follow you and listen to uh, your interviews on different podcasts, uh, awesome stuff. Uh, but is, is there one thing that you would wish your followers, your followers would uh, stop doing? <laughs> Look at me. You're first. Um, uh, one thing my followers would stop doing is um, the, the, the Uber, like, like over-the-top fangirl thing like I, I i i i'm so humbled and honored that people like my stuff but really just when you meet me at a convention or something just talk to me like a normal person like i i love the compliments but you know after one or two you can stop and we can just have a normal conversation often we learn as much from the people who look up to us for one reason and when we get to know them better they blow our minds in a completely different area And so people, I think, underestimate themselves constantly about what they have to offer the world in general and sometimes the balloon world. But I, I talk to entrepreneurs who have run a business and now they're millionaires and they say, oh, I wish I were creative like you. Like, seriously, dude, you just said that? So people, I think, um, you just need to get to know them better and everybody surprises you. Didn't mean to totally take over that question, but that's you made me think about that. Okay. <laughs> but that's a really good honest answer and uh, I love it and uh, yeah like uh, on the WBC 2014 Jeff McBride was, was in it and uh, we just sat uh, in the balloon jam room and just talked about magic and balloons and business and mm -hmm. what not and 
yeah, I could see that you don't need uh, that many of compliments in order to keep you going. You, you just want to talk, right? Yeah. Yeah, cool. they, same thing, we, like we said earlier, you know, the, the jam rooms at a convention, I, the reason why we go to these conventions is because we learn as much as we teach. Yeah. You know, I, I get so much out of just hanging out with other twisters and I love just, you know, have a good conversation with somebody about what we're all passionate about. And if you could ask your followers to do one thing, what was that? What would that be? Bring me cookies. Don't bring him cookies. Bring me cookies. <laughs> cool. One of my clients just recently gave me cookies for Buster. <laughs> <laughs> he did not know about this yet because I have not brought them in from the car. But I don't know. He's just gotten like a reputation. People love me. They bring me cookies. <laughs> <laughs> so so guys guys listening to to the podcast uh here's where you want to get to you get to want to you want to get to the status when people bring you cookies yes that is a good place to be in life <laughs> like i actually try to educate my customers in a very direct way like we israeli do uh that i need my coffee and i expect <laughs> my customers to make my coffee <laughs> great. and And every time, like, I get two coffees each show, one in the beginning and one after the show. And every time my customer comes and say, would you like a second cup of coffee now? And that's when I know the show was perfect. Well done. So I actually, just as a joke, I put a clause in my confirmation letter that says, when Buster Balloon arrives for the show, his dressing room should be exactly 67 degrees. There should be two large bottles of Aquafina brand drinking water, fresh cut flowers, and while it's not necessary, a plate of assorted sushi would be nice. <laughs> and, and then underneath cool. it says, just joking, we just want to make sure you're reading. <laughs> and so, again, it's a joke. It's just there to make sure they're paying attention. But I've actually had several events where I show up And the librarian or whoever the booker is that booked me for the event will have large bottles of my favorite brand of drinking water. And twice now I've showed up to events where they actually had sushi waiting for me. Wow. You know, this is just the Pygmalion effect where you want something to happen and you want it that bad and it will happen. But you need to also do something about it, not just to wish it to happen. Right. So, yeah, put the clause in your contract. It works. It's <laughs> <laughs> cool. I need that with a parking space. That's the most important thing for me when I, other than never have the event outside, but that's a whole other issue. It's very important for me to have a parking space. And so I tell them, here is a sign. Please save me parking. Here, this sign is really pretty. You could print it out. And then my, I have one other entertainer in the summertime. We exchange uh, pictures of our parking spaces, <laughs> all the cool things that the librarians do for us. I had a table one time. And it looked like we were going to start having a picnic. And they just put a table in it because that's what they happen to have. But I'm like, look, John, I have a table. Did you get a table? Have you ever had a table in your park? <laughs> <laughs> <Just, laughs> so we, cool. we, we like to show uh, the fancier the sign, the bigger the status, apparently. But it, it really gets the point across, even though it's a game, that I really like to have a parking space that's closed. So I don't have to schlep my stuff from two blocks away. Right. Looking back at your published DVDs, Buster, do you have a, like one DVD that you think is like a, a personal favorite of yours or 
or, or simply the one that is uh, more more complimented about? I, I was really happy with the Untitled collection. Yeah. The, the the big collector set we did a few years ago, and then you know we we did the mass release later on, but the the original set where it was all one box and with all the bonuses and extras, I'm very, very happy with how it all came out. And the fact that it was exclusive for a long time, too. That was cool. Yeah, cool. So that was, like, the favorite project for you? Yeah, it was. So, like, uh, is there a specific uh, sculpture from there that you still uh, are very much in love with? Actually, a lot of them. The uh, the Chainsaw Bunny, which is originally created by um, Tony Noreen, Tony Bubbles, um, Chainsaw Bunny, still one of my favorites, one of everybody else's mm-hmm. favorites too. Um, the big girl with the bomb and the cigar, yeah. that's always a favorite. Yeah, there, there are a lot of good, there are a lot of sculptures that, there's not a lot of stuff that I keep just for myself. Pretty much if, if I have a sculpture that's good and it works, uh, I'll put it out on video to share with people. There, there were probably a dozen sculptures from that whole set that I had originally never intended to release to the balloon industry, things that were really personal to me. Like, like the gorilla and like Spike mm-hmm. the balloon dog. Yeah. And that that was, at, at the time, it was kind of a tough decision. And then afterwards, the reaction from other balloon twisters made me really happy that I'd shared that material with them. Yeah, like it's just a, like a one big flow of uh, progress in the balloon industry where if you wouldn't share that, that like you wouldn't uh, inspire the rest of us to, to improve our balloon art and it's just one big flow like uh, we talked about before what about your digital downloads do you have like a specific download that is a bestseller and uh, oh. you like it more more than the rest the the gags videos are definitely the best sellers of i think of almost anything i've ever created that has probably got the most reaction from other balloon twisters because balloon recipes are a dime a dozen and even with you know the the big thing with the Untitled Collection is that was really the last project I did that was really about teaching recipes. You know, if you look at the stuff that I've done with Balloon Dash Animals since then, it's really more about teaching a concept, like with the blasters, with the wacky racer. You know, I, I teach you a design, but I teach you how to customize that design and turn it into a bunch of other things. And so that's really been a shift in my teaching style. But the recipes and, and concepts aside, there's a lot of places to learn how to twist balloons, very few resources on how to entertain and perform with balloons. Yeah. And so those two gags videos that are on there really, really have got people excited and really have generated a lot of good feedback. And I love them too, because I, I actually use all that material all the time. It's top-notch material, so I, I really encourage people to check that out at the uh balloon-animals.com. We'll put a link, the, a direct link on the show notes on balloonartistpodcast.com yeah. uh, to, to, to that specifically as well. Almost running out of time. So before we finish, I wanted, like I asked you in advance to prepare three tips each for how balloon artists can market themselves better in a unique way. And now you're surprised about it. Oh my goodness. I had no idea this was coming. <laughs> so let's start with you, Annie, uh, because uh, both of you are doing a, a unique marketing for yourself as a brand, even though you act at the same company, you, you brand yourself differently. And uh, I, give us some uh, some of your tips for that. Um, I have a lot of things that I was going to uh, talk about because, uh, you know, it's hard to decide 
which I like best. But if I wanted to pick three things, the one is get a professional logo. My logo now goes on everything. I paid a lot of money on it for it, and so did Buster for his. So much that you can do to brand yourself if you have a logo. And speaking of which, I think there are trends in any industry where everybody's getting the same type of logo. It could be that everybody's using the same artist or everybody just saw the idea and said, okay, look at that. So look around, especially in your, whatever your market is. So like in your local market or in your type of market. So look at what other people are doing and don't do it. And there's a fine line between um, being the same as everybody else and being so obscure that your clients don't know what you're talking about. So you've got to be in the middle of that where your clients get it. They get what you do. But on the other hand, it's not the same picture that everybody else has. The same with your costume or any of your branding. You need to differentiate yourself. Even if you don't want to be like the most expensive, that's part of our brand. But even if it's, um, we have a, a friend of ours who is not the most expensive and she differentiates herself in a different way and like a one-stop shop sort of place. So find out what it is and make sure that you're not putting it out there like everyone else in your market because you want them to pick you, not just some person. Because if you're the same as everybody else, you're a commodity and you people won't choose you out of, over someone else. So you basically say, uh, like on the first tip, is that um, people should not have that one logo of a balloon dog? It's not that specifically. Um, it's look at what everybody else is doing in your market and don't match them. So in any of your marketing. Um, so there's the one that's going around that looks really cool, but it's the person holding things that they do. And um, I'm not sure where it started. I think in the magician community. And it's adorable. And when it was first out there, oh my gosh, it was so revolutionary. Like, that's brilliant. And the, but then everybody did it and it's not as brilliant anymore. And so we yeah. have to push the envelope and do something different. So that's what I'm saying. And I, I'm not saying that those are bad, but you run the risk of becoming a commodity if your client cannot see the difference between you and another person because you know, oh yeah, it was this one, yeah, this one balloon twister person. I think it was a guy and um, yeah, there was some balloons in the photo and you know, you just hear that. So, you know, it's just like if somebody doesn't remember you when you go, you know, somebody will come and try to hire me and say, oh yeah, the guy we had last year, I don't remember who he is and I don't have his number anymore. And so that person didn't do enough to differentiate themselves between anybody else. So they were just the balloon twister commodity rather than oh yeah i remember this guy it was buster balloon and he was awesome but he's not available can you do it you know so there's a difference there you know so but part of it is just getting a really unique logo that really fits you and a, and a look branding your costume and everything but the logo yeah. is the first thing i thought of okay next uh next one um my personal thing, and this isn't for everybody, but I love promo merchandise. Everything I give out is a gift. I really do not like business cards at all. And um, I'm starting to maybe get some because I'm a children's book author as well. And so in that, it, it, sometimes there's a reason for me to give somebody a business card because I want them to see the stuff about my book. But Still, even in that market, I just went to a convention with a bunch of librarians. They were just 
they weren't sure what to think about the fact when I hand them a bookmark with a magic trick on it, because uh, <laughs> that was weird. But it did make me stand out. Depends on your market. But for me, I think the as entertainers, the bar is a little bit higher for us. If, um, if I'm going to hire a lawyer, I want a business card. <laughs> you know, I want a, a lot of stuff that's going to show me the legitimacy of that person, of that business. And for an entertainer, I think part of your legitimacy is they probably see you perform. Your website has to look fantastic, um, especially as visual artists as we are. When I see promo merchandise or even a website that is just not, they didn't think of the concept of design when they did it or they didn't get some help, sometimes it's the very best thing you can do is have somebody else do your marketing for a while because you're too close to it and you see what you like and you don't realize that, wow, those two colors look horrible together. Maybe your two favorite colors, but if you get professional uh, professional help, but if you do, sometimes you can get really terrific ideas that really revolutionize what you do. But I love everything I give out really needs to be a gift. Here to learn how to make a balloon dog or go here to um, play a game and then you'll be something on the, on the Internet. So I, I think that everything is much more valuable than just your name and your, and your website. And number three? Number three is what you and I have been working on is educating your clients about what you do. Not only just in your marketing. Um, so since I do something really, really different, I'm a balloon storyteller. So I'm not going to be the person you're going to hire to do dogs and swords at your carnival for a line of kids where you want me to spend 30 seconds per uh, balloon. There is a place for that, and I'm not the person you want to hire. So I don't even want those people calling me. Not that I'm too good for that, but that's just not what I do. And so on my website and anywhere where I am promoting myself, part of it is going to be education. Here's what I do. I'm a children's book author. I do author visits. I, um, you know, I'm a storyteller. And I do balloon theater and things like this. And, and, of course, they have questions because I'm one of the few people who do it. And I know in the industry, we know people who do balloon storytelling. But the muggles, they don't know that. They're like, what? Balloon storytelling. And when I first started marketing to the libraries, they thought I was going to stand up there and make balloon jokes. And that was <laughs> going to be my balloon show. And they had no idea what we were going to do. Seth Godin has a book called, um, it used to be called All Marketers Are Liars, but now it's called All Marketers Tell Stories. I don't know why, because the first, I really like the first title. But what it's about is that half of your experience with your client, half of their experience with you, I mean, is the story that they're hearing from you about, yes, these are the very best wine glasses. And because of the shape of the wine glass and the type of, um, of glass that they use and all of this, then your wine is going to taste so much better. It turns out these glasses are the exact same glasses as this other brand. But the reason they're better is because the people who buy them have bought into the story behind them. And this is their experience with you. So I think that that's important for you to, to educate your clients and the experience you want them to have. So educate your clients and uh, uh, yeah, like what we do, is create a series of mails that gives the information for the client and basically save you time by automating it. So yeah, yeah. cool. Awesome, awesome tips. Um, here's what we'll do. We'll wrap up now and uh, we'll say goodbye and then we'll continue 
to uh, hear Buster with his three tips. And people could download those three tips from Buster from the balloonartistpodcast.com website. Uh, will that work for you? You are so sneaky. Yeah, I know. I know. That's cool. I'm a genius here. I like it. Yeah, yeah, I figured you might. Oh, and yeah, by I, the way, I uh, almost forgot to tell you, congratulations on that app. That is very, very cool. You must be talking about the Balloon Stock app. Yeah, yeah. I love that when I first set up a like it was one of those grocery list apps, I had to sit there and I think it took me over an hour to put in all of the the names and everything because, of course, the grocery app doesn't have things like 260 red, you know. So it was so wonderful to open that up and see, oh, my gosh, he's got all of these things in there already and I can just send an email. I thought that was cool. Thanks. When I use the app myself, I use it quite often to save time and uh, remember my lists. So when I use the app, I, I actually feel, wow, this app understands me. It knows <laughs> what, what a 260 Q is. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So before we wrap up and uh, say hello to everyone, uh, I want uh, to ask you, is there a place where people can learn more about what is what there is uh, uh, what you're passionate about in these days and what's interesting for you in these days. So where can people find you? Uh, the best place to keep up with all of that is my Facebook page. So if they look up the Buster Balloon Show on Facebook and follow my fan page, that's where I post all of my upcoming appearances, new projects I'm working on, photos of new creations, all of that's there. And Instagram, Buster Balloon at Instagram also. I like Instagram. Cool. I, I will put will put links to both. What about you, Annie? Usually, when I get to know, when I connect with other entertainers, it's on my personal page because I don't have anything really truly personal on the internet because I figure no one needs to know. Uh, but um, where I connect with just general friends in the industry and things like that, it's uh, Facebook Balloon Storyteller. And my regular page, if you you want to see what's on my regular Facebook page for my clients. It's Balloon Story, but please send me a friend request on um, for the regular on Balloon Storyteller is my uh, personal page. But um, it may take me forever to get back with you because I forget about the friend request. But every month or so I go, oh, yeah, I should look at that. I bet you I can meet some really great new people. And then I do. And then um, I'm not really active anywhere else, and I really should be. Um, I'm trying to work on my Pinterest page, but I can't remember what it is. <laughs> um, I know. So clueless comes to that. Yeah, I, I know you feel I really have to start uh, getting into Pinterest because uh, apparently my wife uses it enough. So uh, this means that uh, maybe more uh, mothers in Israel use it. Uh, but uh, Annie uh, and Buster, like, uh, we really have to get you guys two together and fly you all around up to sunny Israel for a joint uh, masterclass and the convention here. Okay. Uh, is that something we can talk about? Absolutely. Absolutely. And in fact, anybody who wants to bring us somewhere really cool for us to teach together, that would be awesome. Because Buster has been traveling because he teaches balloon designs. And now I'm finally at the place where I don't teach balloon designs, but I teach marketing and things like that. I think it would be awesome to be able to travel together more often. Cool. And uh, like, I'm not joking. So guys <laughs> listening to this, uh, 
look, you got to act in order to get what you want. And if you if what you want is to see Buster Balloon and Danny Banani together in a lecture on a convention, then you need to talk about it either directly with them or your favorite balloon convention organizer. Like, uh, I encourage you to act and uh, I'll shoot you an email, any after the call to check with some dates options with you. Oh, cool. All right. Cool. Um, I've always wanted to go to Israel. When Buster went there, I was so jealous because I think I had something else going on, so I couldn't go. And every time he'd call me, we'd just talk about how cool it was there. Yeah, when, when Andrea Noel came to Israel and uh, like she did a masterclass uh, for us here in Israel, we, we went and ate at the best restaurants in the world. Like I, I never ate that good food in my entire life uh, up to the point where Andrea Noel was in Israel. So... Uh, like uh, I encourage you guys to take that as another uh, bonus of coming here. We like to eat. Yeah. Oh, everyone, everybody likes to eat. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we're coming uh, to the end of the show. Um, any any last uh, words you need? Like, uh, did we forget anything? No, I think uh, we're good, right? I'm good. You good? I'm good. Okay, so Balloon Artist Podcast Nation, you better stick around and uh, go to balloonartistpodcast.com and find a chapter with Annie Banani and Buster Balloon. And there will be a bonus section where you can hear three marketing tips from Buster Balloon of how to market yourself more uniquely. So thank you, everyone. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for having us. Wow. Uh, just uh, being able to listen to Annie Banani and Buster Balloon talk about marketing and business and the art and showing us their, their perspective of how they feel uh, in this uh, community and how they feel in this industry. It's just so mind-blowing. And they were so generous to also to offer us their perspective about how they see things. More specifically, I really liked to learn about the heroes of Buster Balloon. That was interesting. And, you know, we are always standing on shoulders of giants. And for each generation, even though we are a very young industry, there are still heroes that we should remember and that we should acknowledge. And uh, we should learn their art, uh, even though sometimes... It's out of date, but uh, it is also always helpful to see where we've been through and what we've been through as an industry. And also, I really like the way that Annie Banani and Buster Balloon are brainstorming ideas. Uh, it's pretty fun and awesome that you have in your home uh, another balloon artist that is so capable and so professional, but it doesn't have to be that you need to go and marry a balloon artist. No, you can find a good friend. You can collaborate with someone from another country and become a good friend of him where there is no competition, actually. So the main takeaway is basically find a partner to brainstorm with. Find a partner to create a mastermind group with. Find a partner to to consult with. And all of those actually easy to do. They don't cost you money. They just require the effort, the hard work of getting out of the box, contacting a balloon artist, becoming 
uh, his friend and being a friendly person and helping them and getting the help back of of having the opportunity to brainstorm things with him. So I encourage you to do that. So I, I really encourage you to go to balloonartistpodcast.com because this time on the season one, chapter 11 page, you will find three additional tips from Buster Balloon that I interviewed him after the interview. And those tips are so generous. I can't say what it is, but they're really Awesome, awesome tips. So check them out. Uh, you, you will really enjoy listening to Buster Balloon give three awesome tips about marketing your business in a un- unique way. See you next time on the last chapter of season one. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. Today, we are in Season 1, Chapter 11, and this is the tip section. And the tip for today is very simple. Stop being afraid of asking. I'm sure you have something that you want and that you know who you want it from and that you have to ask him or her. I want to encourage you. You wouldn't hear the interview with Buster Balloon and Danny Banani unless someone, which is me in this case, went on and asked for it. And don't be afraid to ask. Maybe you will succeed. Maybe you can ask for Buster Balloon and Danny Banani to come together and visit your country on a convention. And maybe you can make it happen, but it won't happen unless you ask for it. And don't believe someone else will ask for you. You're responsible for your, for your destiny. If you know what you want, ask for it. It might be something simple. Ask for what you need. So that's my tip for today. See you next time, guys. The Balloon Artist Podcast is brought to you by... Would you like to know what do you have in your balloon stock, in your balloon inventory? Do you want to have this list on you anywhere you go? Would you like a way that you can just order your balloons on your mobile phone whenever you want to? and maintain lists of balloons for each project. All of this, including a barcode scanner feature and many other cool features like select a balloon by icon or by text, all of this can be yours if you purchase the Balloon Stock app. Look for it on iOS and on Android devices. Your iPhone can include this today. Download and buy Balloon Stock now before its price goes up.